no, not help. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 119 of In the Movie Podcast, a Fincherlicious uh, In the Movie Podcast. It is. Um, what was the help for? So we, we can end on SOS no, I, was, now. I was trying to say welcome, but I said help. I was going to say help him, but then it, it was going to say, then it would sound like I was asking you to help somebody. So I just thought we'd just carry on talking, Peter. Maybe it was a Freudian slip. Help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're talking about Gone Girl today. <laughs> um, I'm Callum Reed, and I want to make an apology because last week I was really drunk. <laughs> I don't know if anybody noticed. They probably I didn't did. notice during. I noticed after we stopped recording. You're just saying the same thing to me over and over again. So you're going to go and see it. I was like, yeah, it's Gone Girl. It's like Finch. It's one of the main ones for next week in the minute. So are you going to see it then? <laughs> you're like my grandmother, but she's got she's she's got reason to. She's like eighty six six years old or something. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this week I've had one sip of wine. I've got a small glass of wine, so right. Mm. Okay, so this week, has anything happened sporting-related or political or anything? Um, nothing excessive uh, sporting, just Chelsea winning, but how is that any different to you? I guess. Not Hashtag you're rubbing arrogance. It in. Hashtag yeah. arrogance. <laughs> what about that whole Mourinho-Wenger altercation? Well, the thing is, Mourinho is... Mourinho cannot talk at all about how to behave on a touchline because he's been horrendous in the past. But yeah. you, you cannot walk into another manager's technical area and then push him in the chest. You just can't. Yeah. <laughs> but Wenger won't say that he's done anything wrong because Wenger's never wrong about anything. And he's a bad loser. Well, he's had to get used to that. But neither of them. What, what's, the, what, what's the line? In order to be, in order to be a good loser, you have to, you have to lose. <laughs> <laughs> properly lose. You'd think Wenger would be a good loser by now because he's had so much practice at it. <laughs> As some have been um, keen to point out. <laughs> Apologies to any Arsenal um, fans listening. We don't rag on Arsenal over a week. No. <laughs> um, anything else sporting? We did Did we mention the Angels, the Angels three, and, three and out of the oh. playoffs. Is that the uh, division or the championship? Uh, divisional. They, uh, uh, Baltimore got in with the uh, Baltimore. No, Kansas City got in on the uh, uh, wild card, and then they just trounced. Um, <laughs> well, this but, is what uh, well, it wasn't a trouncing. The, the first two games were uh, extra innings wins, but, but but this is what happens. You can have the best record, mm. and then it's yeah. on, it's on the it's on the form. It's on the series. Angel. Um, did the Angels win as a wild card in two thousand two? There was Marlins definitely won in ninety seven and two thousand three as a as wild cards. I think the Angels might have as well, it, when they won it in 2002. Yeah. So You've got all the momentum when you feel the wild card, and especially now you have the one-game playoff. Anyway. It's a bit like the playoffs in football. Mm. But yeah, anyway, um, we are going to talk about films. We're going to so... talk about more American sport, but to do with films. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you seen that, by the way? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was hoping you had, but it's okay. Mm. Um, I, I can walk you through it. <laughs> yeah. That's probably going to be needed. <laughs> and, um, okay, so, oh, hold on, actually, I wanted to just plug, can we plug your sponsorship? Oh, yeah. yeah your yeah. run that you're doing. We'll, we'll put a link to it on um, on the page. Basically, this is actually the perfect place to pin this, because usually when you run uh, any kind of, like, 10K or marathon or whatever, everyone, it's always, like, cancer research or something to do with some very noble cause about, like, helping people die. 
Uh, it's just stop dying. No, it's not euthanasia. One that I'm doing it for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm doing. I'm, I'm running for the Midland Arts Centre, which is uh, uh, was used to be like my favourite cinema, but it's not anymore. But still, uh, and they tap me. They tap me for a donation every time I go there. You buy the tickets like eight, seven or eight quid or whatever, and they ask you if you want to make a, a voluntary one pound donation. So I've, I've I'd say about sixty five percent of the reason why I've chosen them to run for is that they. So next time I go and they ask me if I want to make a voluntary donation, I could turn around and say, made a few hundred quid for you last year jog on <laughs> but um it so is what's your page um it's uh we'll put put a link up on uh, with this um uh episode uh, with this episode it's something like justgiving.com forward slash peter shepherd 2 but there might be a hyphen in there somewhere okay so we'll yeah we'll put that up mm. and when is the run the run is in two it's on the 19th it's in two weeks okay right so um, in two weeks time i will be podcasting from my hospital bed <laughs> No, you've you've seemed quite confident on Facebook when you. I uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I've done ten miles three times, and um, my calves want to divorce me every single time afterwards. But uh... it's just that extra three. Yeah, the problem is it's a massive hill at the end, right at the end. Uh, after the, after you've done like twelve point two miles, you have to go up this really massive hill in the middle of Birmingham to actually go straight past my cinema, my Cine World Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very good cause. They 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 have something like um uh, over three quarters of a million vi- uh, visitors every year, and it costs six pounds per visitor to keep it open. They are desperate for money. Yeah, and so how much are the tickets? Like a tenner? Oh, like eight quid. They're not that actually bad, but they ask you for an extra one pound if if you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so news this week: a film news slash TV, but um. This is David Lynch news, which oh, we right. don't have a lot on the podcast. We should have like Lynch uh, fest. We should have like a, a, a Lynch section. What's he up to? What is he still having breakfast in the same cafe every day? <laughs> well, speaking of which, oh um, no! Well, no, because this happened in Twin Peaks. Carl McLaughlin had cherry pie every day in the same cafe. Anyway, Twin Peaks is to return in 2016 for a new series. Really? Yes. Um, are they get, are they going to tie up all the loose ends? Apparently, yes. <laughs> it's to conclude the series. It's is... it's to give closure. Because <laughs> the second one, towards the end, I really liked the the series, both series, but towards the end of the second one, mm. it was crazy. You, you just didn't know what was going on. I once was tempted to watch the film, uh, but I was told if you hadn't watched the t- TV sh- series, it was pointless. Yeah. Um, but, okay, yeah, so, lots of people excited about this, but you could just watch the TV series mm. in preparation. Mm. Hypotheticals, my dear, hypotheticals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Steve Martin, next bit of news, is going to receive the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award this year. Lifetime this Achievement or Achievement up until 1992? <laughs> <laughs> the claws. No, it reminds me of that brilliant Dennis Penis um, uh, question when when he's like, because he used to hijack. For people who don't know, is this guy used to? He, he did work for the BBC, but he used to hijack um, red carpets and ask them uh, funny questions and uh, just to embarrass them. And so, um, like, he'd go up to um, uh, Tom Hanks, and this is mid nineties. Tom Hanks would come up and he'd say something like, um, "Tom Hanks loved you playing Forest last year. Do you think they'll miss Collymore's electric pace up front?" Or <laughs> 
<laughs> or he said to Virginia Bottomley when she was the health secretary, do you think train spotting will be a shot in the arm for the British film industry? <laughs> but what the one he said to Steve Martin was just so brutal. He just basically Steve, Steve, he's already he, he, he's there with like his red hair and and uh, what was it Paul K? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he the wave, so he waved the BBC like microphone, and they'd all just come flocking over. He goes, Steve, 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 BBC, and then he came over. Oh, BBC. And he said, Steve, why aren't you funny anymore? Oh, <laughs> he just walked Crushing. off. Yeah, he just walked off. And he did, yeah. It seems like it got, it went downhill after '92, but yeah. it's so he did have that Bullfinger. He was in that, wasn't he? Yes, that was that, that was that, that was, was decent. I really like as you under 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 mentioned uh, Steve Martin ones. I really like L.A. Story. It's one of the few ones of his that I actually because um, like the more mainstream ones, fine, fair enough. But this was a bit more of an indie, bit more weird and kooky. Is that um, SJP? Yes, and uh, Richard E. Grant and. Um, He's a weatherman. <laughs> I think Woody Harrelson's in it for very briefly as well. It's always on BBC. It's, well, it's not wor- always, but it's, it's worth looking out. Um, it's, it's worth looking out for. This was a, a pre-Carrie Bradshaw, so Jester Parker. Mm. So pre-annoying. <laughs> Pre-fashionable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. yeah. I like Steve Martin in Parenthood the best. Um, I, like, I really like um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, I actually saw that about within the last year. I saw it, and it's just, it's, you appreciate it much, in a much more different way when you're when you're an adult for that sort of film. Okay, so yeah, so he's getting another one because he's already got one from the Oscars. So American <laughs> Film Industry, just mm. you know, bandwagon. Um, what bandwagon? Yeah, uh, I was going to say something there. To, yeah, to completely give a segue to this but I yeah. thought better of it it's a bit like your Hillary Swank comment the other week that just... well, it's better than my bro shoe one last week good grief that was a bit um, blunt <laughs> there was no way anything was getting cut from last week I was too hungover <laughs> um, okay next bit of news good news for you good news all round maybe um, mm. Blake Lively's pregnant that means she's not working. Yes. <laughs> For a, a, at least six months anyway, one would think. She's found her calling in life. <laughs> so, yeah, congrat, congrats to... Um, Everybody involved. Yeah. Well, I told it was just one person. <laughs> uh, and we're back to savages. <laughs> okay, um, so I wanted to just... Give a quick, um, brief review of a couple of films I've seen from the London Film Festival, which have hasn't officially started yet. No, starts on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an online platform that uh, allows people to see films. So, yeah, it's called YouTube. <laughs> it's called... <laughs> It's actually it's more like the Curzon, actually. Right. So not as easy to work. Yeah. <laughs> It buffers. Um, it, it does. But um, the first one, it's a film called Margarita with a Straw, hmm. so which refers to a drink. It's not a woman called Margarita. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that one. <laughs> I, was th- I was thinking they missed off the word hat off the end of the title. <laughs> that would be a Duplass Brothers film, really, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, what, like, Jeffy lives at home? Yeah. Marguerite with a straw hat? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, it's got an, it, stay with me here, it's got an English Finglish vibe. Nice. In that, it, except that it's about a young woman who's got cerebral palsy. So she sounds more like a Barfy vibe, but whatever. Oh, actually, it might be a Barfy vibe, but I haven't seen Barfy. Um, so she is, she lives in India. I'm not sure if she's Indian or she's just been adopted by an Indian family. But in any case, she goes to study um, in New York, a creative writing course. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, and there she kind of meets a dishy Frenchman, um, a blind. Persian beauty, girl beauty, right, and uh, goes on a journey of self-discovery. So it's patch of blue meets blue is the warm- patch of blue is the warmest colour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's really it's kind of nice because it's not. I think it's sort of your typical coming of age story in some ways, but it's also got this whole the fact that she lives in India and she's got cerebral palsy and it's mm. got the cultural identity the interesting issues with that. Yeah. Um, And you don't really see many lesbian relationships anywhere, not least between a girl with cerebral palsy and a blind girl. No. But I just wanted to mention, because the girl... Have you heard of Kalki Kirkland? No. Okay. She's this Indian actress, and she's... Actually, yeah, she's Indian-French. Right. um, And she... She's... 30 odd and she plays this 20 year old girl with cerebral palsy mm. and she doesn't have so it's not a Marley Matman situation yeah. she doesn't have cerebral palsy and I was just does she like, have a cover shot of uh, from uh, FHM India <laughs> she might do that yeah, wouldn't surprise me because I think that's the only way these women actually get to become actresses <laughs> over there but it's just amazing. I couldn't believe that she didn't have cerebral palsy when I looked her up afterwards. Mm. But I, I mean, that's like kind of a stunt. Yeah, it's a stunt performance in a way. Um, and I don't really know. I haven't been around enough people with cerebral palsy to know if that's mm. realistic. But I felt it, that it was realistic, and the emotions came through. Yeah. So I think it's really brave to um, to take that on. Well, it, well, it's if you, yeah, it's it's a minefield. You've got to get it right. Mm. It could go so so wrong. Yeah. Mm. Um, on to the last film I saw was uh, Silvered Water: Syria Self Portrait. It's a documentary it about okay. Syria, right? And it's comprised of this guy's basically put together all people's home footage videos from Syria. Mm-hmm. And like the typically horrendous, yeah, and powerful, um, and he's blended them together in a way that's nice. I mean, it's sort of like it is just the the fact that it's a lot of it's shaky cam, which you get kind of sick of, you know. Mm. Um, but it's it's still really interesting, and it still kind of opens your eyes a bit in a different way to the news features do to yeah. what's going on. And it's kind of scary. The so more of a domestic um, slant on it. Yeah. So yes. Hmm. Okay, let the fincher commence. Right. Yeah, we're gonna run a brief like 
a history of time uh, in the least Stephen Hawking of ways um, <laughs> with, Dave, with Dave Fincher. Um, so uh, we'll start off with uh, Alien 3, which um, really didn't go down well at the time. No, but, but I, do, I don't think it's bad. No, I don't think it's bad either. Um, I think it... I think You mean we're not... Hold on. We're not starting with the um, video for Express Yourself by Madonna. Or Vogue. <laughs> <laughs> Classics. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, I suppose the trouble with this is it's. Quite, I suppose it's kind of like <laughs> it's a ridiculous comparison, but I suppose it's kind of like his uh, magnificent Ambersons because this wasn't the cut that he wanted. Um, oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty no- pretty notorious um, for uh, him being extraordinarily unhappy af- afterwards be- just because of how it all went down. But um, I think it gets. I think it takes a while to get going, uh, with like the different dynamics, uh, we, uh, and of course because it still got kind of like craps all over the end of Aliens, really. Yeah, it goes in a different direction. It's, it's isn't it more about reproduction? Mm. That, it's mm. yeah. I I remember being quite surprised by it because I really loved Aliens. Mm. Um, so I thought it had merits anyway, even if it wasn't as good. Mm. I think it's kind of like um, there's always there's always one in the tr- even good tr- some good trilogies there's always one that you think is like um, clearly a bit further down before midnight <coughs> or um, uh, <laughs> Godfather Three yeah Godfather Three uh, the middle one in the Indiana Jones um, Three because the fourth one doesn't exist um, yeah but, uh, yeah but obviously he came back with Seven uh, ridiculously. Yes, I think it's his best film. Yes, yeah, I'd go along with that by um, quite a distance. It's his only film he's ever done that I've given five stars to, let's put it that way. Yeah. It's, and it's very comfortable, I don't have to think about that for a second to give that film five stars, I think it's uh, absolutely fantastic. And um, I think the performance in there that I think really doesn't get bigged up enough is Gwyneth Paltrow. I think she gives such a lyrical, uh, emotional core to uh, to get the, across the depression. I mean, I love the scene with her and um, Morgan Freeman in the cafe. Yeah, and she gets across the desperation of the depression of the character so well, which is which without which I don't think the end works as well as it does. Yeah, it doesn't have, and the film is so relentlessly masculine. Aside from her, that it's nice to, I don't know, her presence is nice in it. And I do like the kind of bromance that goes on between um, Freeman and uh, Pitt. Pitt. Mm. So. Uh, what, I, what I never really thought about watching it at the time was, uh, I remember seeing a critique of it, the, the screenplay, and it said basically it's all the cliches you've seen. On in, TV. Yeah, like the the, the, part, the guy two weeks away from retirement, the yeah. new, guy, new guy coming in, Miss Matt, he's, he's really... Uh, uh, doesn't know what he's doing, and he's, he goes. He's like feet first. The other guy's um, the experienced one. It's all these sort of dynamics you've seen a thousand times, but it's just done in a completely new and fresh way. And they, well, they they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, the game. The game. I was disappointed with this one because it had such a promising setup, mm. and I just don't think it works from the whole Michael Douglas and. Um, Deborah Carr Unger, I just didn't think they had any chemistry whatsoever. Mm. And um, I liked her, but I don't think yeah, I don't think they were great together. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought it was interesting, definitely, mm. but I just didn't thought it ultimately came to nothing and didn't really say enough. I hate the end of this film so much. Yeah, I'm not even. Yeah. I just, I just, it the end knocks a whole star. I mean, I give this like a seven out of ten. I think it's quite a good film. But oh really? End, yeah, I do. But uh, uh, I, 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 it's a whole star off for that end. I really detest it. But the end's a lot of the point of it. Oh yeah, yeah. But then it's yeah. just. Ugh. Goodness me, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> uh, Fight Club. I got people tried to get me excited. Yeah. Fight Club was when I first went to university. That that, that ages me. Um, <laughs> and people were trying to get me to go and see it um, at the cinema, and people were trying to get me to see it on um, uh, video. And I ended up seeing it like a year or two later. Uh, so I'd, I'd heard all about it for about a year and a half or whatever. And um, there'd been people have been talking about the twist and all this sort of thing. And uh, I watched it and. For me, this was different to something like... I, I like Fight Club. I think it's quite good. Um, but um, it's different to something like The Usual Suspects. When I saw The Usual Suspects for the first time, which is a twist film, I immediately wanted to watch it all again. Uh, I was like, what, oh, yeah. I was like, what have I missed? What have yeah. I missed? Uh, how? Whereas with this, I was like, oh, yeah, he's on the stairs. Yeah, I get it. And I, I, When that twist comes, it works. Intellectually, it's fine. But it, there's nothing new really from it it's 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 a twist that is self-contained because i don't think you suddenly then need therefore need to go and watch it again to to get any sort of more depth out of it yeah i think it's it fight club i don't know i i think the end is bad but mm. outright bad um and it's interesting because it kind of takes the, the mick out of this frat boy mentality but plays yet, up to it and yet it inspired a lot of frat boy cinephiles yeah. <laughs> to um, bang the drum for it. Mm. But aside from that, I mean, people who like this film, fine. But um, I just was sort of in the middle on it, really. Didn't no. really care. I liked Brad Pitt in it. I thought he was good. Pitt's good. I really like HBC. It sounds like I'm going to be pimping all the women in Finch's films. <laughs> uh, I really liked HBC in this. I think she um, uh, got that pretty much note on. Yeah. Um, Whereas something like the meatloaf subplot seems uh, is is not, I don't think it's handled very well in terms of tone. It feels a bit off. I I, <laughs> I don't remember the meatloaf subplot, but that would be a great sweaty, title for the sweaty podcast. Breasts, sweaty breasts, sweaty breasts. Um, yeah. So Panic Room was actually uh, the his here's my film geek trivia without clicking the page. Uh, David Kep wrote this and he sold it was a record uh, selling for a screenplay at that, at that time I think he flogged it for like 4 million or something yeah it's I really liked it um, I watched it since and liked it less but I still think it's a good film the end I think lets it down a bit it's a bit too religious <laughs> yes. uh, but Jodie Foster and um, Kirsten, Kristen Stewart I mm. think are really especially Jodie Foster she's very um, she carries the film in many oh, ways. Oh yes, absolutely. I, I think with I think I like Forest Whisker in it. I like her in it. I like the general concept, but I don't. I think with the like the sort of the weirdos uh, with Jared Leto and the and the other guy, yeah, yeah. It really doesn't do too much for me. But um, I do think that this was. Uh, you can tell that this has been this had been storyboarded to within an inch of its life. It's it's very apparent watching the direction watching the, the, the direction. And not in a necessarily a good way, but I, I I think the film's fine. 
I think most of Fincher's films are seven out of ten. I think they're all quite good, but it's a um, if you uh, it, they're all cold. They're all cold. I mean, you look yeah. at um, Zodiac. I mean, that's just Arctic, and it's it's not. Um, again, it's all very well mm. and good, but um, I, don't, I don't. I think there's very really uncontrolled um, uh, focus, and uh, and it, there's an ill discipline to it because I have no concept. Even though they put in the things up at the bottom, I have no con- concept of the passing of time. Yeah, it's Zodiac. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, it's I think Zodiac he tried to be too stylish. Um and I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal is a particularly great presence in it either. Mm. Um but I I I think it's a good film still. No, I you know, it's, it's yeah, still yeah. on the it's still on the the B level for me, but Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Um I I saw it at the time and I can't remember a whole lot about it. Mm. So it didn't it didn't really I, th- I remember thinking it was. Me. I remember thinking it was eerie. I thought um, the um, is it John Carroll Lynch? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. He yes, yes. Just, uh, he's a he's a very good actor. Very good actor. Really effective in Love. Ha- ha- Love happens actually. What they? Uh, is that Aaron Eckhart? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who is it? Aaron um, Eckhart and Jennifer Aniston. God. Ju- guess what? Ju- role Judy Greer has. Uh, Jennifer Aniston's friend. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's why. That's why I watched it. But John Carroll Lynch is really, really good in, a, in a, uh, just a couple of scenes. Okay, very emotional. Um, yeah, uh, Benjamin Button. I'm willing to put my hand up and say I was wrong on this. Not, uh, not that on terms of like quality or anything like that, because that doesn't matter at all. I mean, it's purely subjective, and I still give it the same rating I did when I first saw it. But I said at the time that I thought that the main appeal of it was uh, watching Brad Pitt age backwards. And that once you divorce yourself from the gimmick the first time, I didn't think it would have a tremendous amount of rewatch value. And mm-hmm. I have seen it since, and I still think it's is as good as it was the first time I saw it. And I didn't and think it was amazing the first time I saw it, but it's I still thought it was as good. And so even though I knew I'd seen it and I had that gimmick and that's gone, um, I still I still quite liked it. I think what you were saying about um, Finch's films being Arctic mm. and the fact that this is uh, made with similarly clinical feeling and yeah. yet tries to extricate emotion from the audience. I think I felt that that was very artificial and yeah. it was really hollow in that sense. So I intensely dislike it, mm. especially the Hurricane Katrina Yeah, that's a, that is a horrendous uh, framing device. device. Yeah. But uh, I do... Uh, the, the problem is, I, I find, it's just the story because it's, it, it's, it's the, the comparisons with Forrest Gump are have been well documented mm. but um uh yeah. I, Eric I just, yeah i just find it i found it difficult to get emotionally involved just on even if you had like an emotional filmmaker like spielberg doing it uh, i would find it difficult to get emotionally involved with this couple because she was basically treating like crap for a, a large period of the uh, film and he just loves her and loves her and loves her and then basically she turns around much like forrest gump and yeah. then she just turns around one day and says oh yeah i want to be with you now and he just drops everything <laughs> well, he was just tired at that point, wasn't he? <laughs> it doesn't send out the greatest uh, message to uh, young uh, boys of that moment with self-esteem. Let's just put it that way. Hold on, you'll you'll get her. Oh, will you? Will you? You I want to say two two things I like about the film. One, Tilda Swinton. Two, um, the Days scene. Blah. <laughs> no, actually, no. The scene where Kate Blanchett has the accident. Right. That's so divorced from the rest of the film, though. 
Yeah, I know. I just yeah. like the way it's shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, summarise at Lake Pontchartrain is just absolutely brilliant. Days by score, the, the, the cinematography, it's, that is a wonderful uh, moment within the film. Mm. And I really like the meeting in the middle um, uh, scene as well. Because that inspired one of the two great greatest comments I, I've actually had. Because uh, I, I used to be a lot bigger when I was younger, when I was in my 20s. And I dropped, I dropped a, a substantial amount of weight. And my, 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 I was standing at the bar next to my brother, and this girl who's a friend of my brother's who hadn't, hadn't seen me for about um, uh, a year comes up, points at my brother's, and sort of like um, he, he was leaning back. Let's just put it that way. And she says, "Look at you two meeting in the middle." <laughs> <laughs> so harsh. Ouch. <laughs> oh dear. What is that? <laughs> Liz is a funny woman. Um, so social network. <laughs> Should we skip over? He says. He says with a wince. <laughs> it's a question um, mark. I mean, what do we think about this? We've never mentioned this before. All right. Well, let's mention it in terms of um, somebody who might be have read the hype because at the time, now if you watch it back, I think you wouldn't realize the intense hype around the film at the time. Well, there was uh, that ridiculous quote from the Zeitgeist, uh, Travers, which was like, uh, it defines a generation, which I've ranted about at least two times on this podcast, so I'm not going to do it again. But I will pimp um, Are You There one more time. <laughs> if you want a realistic, um, uh, a real way of how um, uh, uh, social network media and uh, online relationships affect people, that's a very good film, which is online, peeps. Mm-hmm. This is more of a, um, would you say it's more of a, um, procedural. This is, this is oh, it is a procedural. This is his most Arctic film for me. It's uh, yeah. It, uh, it depends. There's no likable people in it. There's no likable people in it. Andrew it, Garfield maybe, but it's a yeah, uh, yeah. The one guy who actually helped on the film. Wonder why that is. And um, it, it very much depends on you being interested in the subject uh, uh, and interested because uh, because the characters uh, aren't particularly engaging people. Let's just put it that way. In and of it, themselves, it's what they do. It's what yeah. that, that is the interesting thing. It'd be interesting to see when Facebook's gone um, and people watch this, and people have no it, idea what it is. Yeah, whether it would have the same relevance or the same power. Mm. But I mean, I really, I really liked it for what it was. But it is very cold again. I was just thinking about this. You just said the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. That's got the uh, the scene where, with the accident, which just sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, in a good way or a bad way, it, it does stick out like a sore thumb. You've got the social network, which has got the uh, boat race scene, Rowing, yeah. which, which sticks out like a sore thumb. And then you've got something like the girl with the dragon tattoo with that opening credits. So like, what the hell were they? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if there's anything like that with Gone Girl later. Yeah. Um, but Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I... Ugh, I think I have such a repellence towards the um, politics really? behind those books in the first place. Yeah. And the general man-hatingness of it. Mm. Um, but I thought it was a mild improvement on the Swedish version. Uh, yeah. But with a performance not as good in the lead. Yeah, a, a much less interesting performance in the lead. Um, because they've got less interesting performers, uh, quite frankly. But I did think it was a better film, and uh, this is actually my editing win for the year, and this leads us beautifully into the preconceptions for, for Gone Girl, because uh, it's 150 minutes long, and this is why it's my editing win. It just absolutely flew by, and um, it, especially in comparison with the original. Um, uh, yeah. 
and I, I thought it's even though it was two and a half hours, I thought it was really well paced. I, I never got bored. Never looked at my watch. I thought it was. I thought it was uh, really well done. So my preconception for Gonga was I was worried that it was two and a half hours again, but I was giving him a lot of leeway because I th- uh, he, he earned that last time out. Right. Okay. Um. Right. Are we gonna? Are we doing preconceptions now? Yeah, we always go straight okay. to that. Yeah. Um. Right. Well. I, do you not want to say anything about the acting? In the preconceptions for the acting. Oh, for the acting. Uh, Gongo. Uh, Affleck. I think he's got a nice presence. Uh, but that, that's about it. He, he's fine. He's not someone I'd actively seek out. Uh, Rosamund Pike. Um, I've, I've been saying for years, all she needs is that one role, and I think she's already had it and didn't deliver with it. But it wasn't her fault. That was Women in Love on TV. But that, then again, it's Women in Love on TV. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think she's a very uh, talent. I think she's a talented person, and um, she's been very good in a lot of supporting roles, uh, like the Libertine, uh, and uh, she couldn't pride and prejudice. Um, God, the Libertine. Yeah, God, it's been a while since I thought about that one. John Malkovich, really good in that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I well, obviously it was Fincher, so I'm kind of high on him, despite Dragon Tattoo. Rosamund Pike, I like. I, I would. I think. I've nominated her for an education. I think that's the only thing I would say she has deserved a nomination for, Mm. or close to. I don't think she deserved a nomination, but go on. (laughs) Okay, I thought she she gave a lot to a small character, put it that way. Mm. Um, And Ben Affleck, I mean, (laughs) apart from the town, I thought he was good in the town, and I think that's because he completely knew the environment, so he's kind of playing people that he knew. Um, but he's very commanding, <laughs> and um, I didn't. I'd forgotten who else was in this, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I knew Neil Patrick Harris was in it, but that was about it. I think. Oh, and not read the book. No, I had no clue about the book. No. Right. Uh, we were also doing a draft day, uh, which I would have watched if I had a bit more time, but I, I didn't. Uh, I like Kevin Costner. Just shoot me, shoot me. I like him. Uh, and uh, I don't like the NFL as much as I used to, but um, I, I, I would obviously describe myself. I mean, I've been to three, three of the games at Wembley. I, I am a fan of American football. But there's no getting around it. Do you know the Dolphins were there the other week? Yeah, the other it, was too, it was too expensive. It was like eighty quid. For, I look. This is the thing. I looked. It was eighty quid for the top tier. It was hundred and ten for the yeah. middle tier. Oh, that's it, like when, FA Cup finals. So. Yeah, and when I went five years ago, whenever it was. Uh, I had the middle tier for eighty. For, for, I had middle tier for eighty quid, and now it's the, now it's the top tier for eighty quid. So, could you so, imagine if the Premier League staged a game in Dallas or somewhere? There'd be <gasps> absolute outcry if that happened. And you can bet your if it was in if they if they held it on the East Coast, and it was Man U, it'd sell out. Full stop. Yeah, no yeah. question. Didn't, or, didn't in, they, or in Japan or yeah. somewhere. D- didn't they? I think they had like over 100,000 at uh, Michigan, University of Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor for a, for, for a pre-season friendly man. You. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> That's if they hadn't all jumped ship by now, but <laughs> it's looking okay for them at the moment. Yeah, because they haven't played anyone yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they played us. <laughs> Couldn't be us. <laughs> Alright. Um, yeah, I... Oh god, I I watch the Super Bowl every year. Most mm. years I don't finish it. Yeah. There was absolute classic the other year that I watched. The Steelers and the um uh Cardinals 
was that was that was that the one? Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, I think yeah. it was. It, right, it was it, like it was like a two point victory or something. It was right in like two minutes to go. They go and score, and then they go and score with like one minute to go or something like that. Yeah, but generally, I think it's too commercially oriented and um, two stop start. Yeah, and um, but Kevin Costner, I like. I don't think I've ever seen him be bad actually, and. I didn't know who else was in it, so open but kind of blind on the whole sports element. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Life After Beth, um, I like uh, both Dane DeHaan uh, and Aubrey Plaza. Oh, I really like Aubrey Plaza. Um, but uh, who else did I know? I knew John C. Riley was in it. I knew Molly Shannon was in it. They're playing uh, her parents. I knew that, so that, that was just tick, tick. Uh, and uh, zombie comedy, I mean... Is it or zo- romantic zombie uh, comedy? Um, yeah. So I I I I was hoping for something on the level of Warm Bodies, but Warm Bodies was a little bit underwhelming. Uh, but I did, but uh, I did like that film. Uh, so I was hoping for something similar. Yeah. Oh, and preconception is uh, I'd heard a, a decent rate review from Kermode and a one star review from Wendy Eyed in the Times. One so star. She gave it one star. Can we get some quotes from that review? You oh, I've got a times in front of me. I'm not sure if it's the right one though. I'm sure it'll be online, but we should... yeah, you have to pay a quid. So I don't. What? For the years that now they've been they, they charge for the Times website. That's because it's Rupert Murdoch. Yep. Uh, I I really like Dan Dahan mm. in everything, so that was a huge plus. Aubrey Plaza. In treat- yeah, in treatment. Uh, kill your darlings. Yeah. Even Spider-Man 2, he was good. Um, One of the better things about Place Beyond the Pines. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Um, Aubrey Plaza, I think I only seen her in Safety Not Guaranteed, and I mm. thought she was good in that. Mm. I didn't know anyone else that was in it. Uh, zombie comedy is not something I'm particularly drawn to. No. Right, so, Gone Girl. Uh, me? Yeah. Okay. Gone Girl begins with Ben Affleck and his ridiculously blonde wife, Rosamund Pike. Uh, their marriage uh, may or may not be going uh, rather swimmingly. It's their fifth, <laughs> wedding, <laughs> their fifth wedding anniversary. Uh, ben Affleck rather handily owns a bar so that he can drink in it all the time. And um, uh, goes home to discover that his wife is not there. Uh, uh, his coffee table has been trashed, and by that, by that I mean literally broken. It doesn't. Mean, I don't mean that um, someone from uh, um, a, a BBC <laughs> program came and just started taking the piss out of it. Um, he, uh, <laughs> sorry, well, like David Dimbleby, I thought. Yes. No, not David Dimbleby. No, um, um, who's that guy? With David Dickinson. That's it. Yes. Anyway, yeah. So, it turns out she's been kidnapped. Or so we may be um, made to think. She's uh, left him a load of um, uh, uh, clues, mystery clues, because that's apparently what they always do on their anniversary, like you do. This is intercut with um, um, uh, how they... um, uh, recounting how they met and how uh, how their relationship was in the past. And soon the suspicion and the finger of suspicion is pointed firmly at Mr. Affleck's rather well-defined chest. Very well-defined chest. Mm. 
Right, okay. If Assuming we're reviewing this without spoilers, yeah? Yeah. Okay, that should be... I don't think there's much of a need for one, though. Because I, okay. I think it's an incredibly... It's in the trailer. Well, no, 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 not that. I, 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 think it's, I just think uh, it's an incredibly predictable film. Okay. When, well, when, it, when, when the twist comes about halfway through, I just, there's just no surprise at all. I thought, well, yeah, that's obviously what's been happening. Yeah, but that's all, but then, yeah, I think that's in the trailer that it's there's an elaborate thing there, mm. but it's sort of like it gets. I think the film gets a lot more interesting after that happens. So, because after an hour, I was thinking, well, it's I'm intrigued, you know, it's a mystery, okay, fine, mm. but there were, I don't think there was anything greatly worthy um, about it. At, that point, and then when it shifts, I think it does hit a gear that makes the film quite dark and nasty and oh yeah, you can really see why juicy. Fincher. Di- you can see why Fincher directed it because uh, there's it's 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 cold again. It's very cold. I think it's the coldest he's ever done. And it because there are just there are there isn't a single likable character in there, and that's all very well and good. It's quite Wendy Eye because we're going to be doing it later. In, yes. in her review of Cherie, she said that the problem comes when uh, the writing fails to elevate a dislikable character into an intriguing one. And uh, I would kind of go along with that in this because I don't think any of the characters are likable or interesting. So they're in and of themselves. So therefore it relies on the situation slash twist in order to uh, make it interesting. And I think it was so predictable that it was sort of undercuts the whole first hour or, or so, or hour and a half, or, or first half of the film, let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, because I thought it was so clear that that's what's going on. And then once it's gone, then you, you they've shot their wad too early. And um, you're, left, you're just left with a load of characters you don't care about um, uh, playing out the situation that you don't care about because it took them so long to execute it and then they it's just done well, well it's it's I think like with the whole dislikable I think fine um, I wouldn't say they were wholly uninteresting people but I would say the longer it goes the more it becomes less about the actual people and caring about them than it becomes about how cynical um, marriage is people view marriage mm. how cynical the media is how cynical writers are how cynical yeah um tyler perry is a godsend in this film oh how unexpected was that thing is i've never really seen him in anything i've seen him just i've never seen him in any of his the films that he's famous for or, or that he's known for but i have seen him i'm i think i've seen i recognize him so i've seen him do like normal like cap, uh, small roles before but um you can tell he's he's absolutely fine here. I think he's, I actually think he's one of the better things, but that's because I think his character is is the, the the most refreshing thing about the film because it's just at that point uh, it really is needed. Yeah, yeah, and he adds something of a media voice to it as well. And, yeah, and that, that's, like... that's the most interesting and successful thing I think about the film is the is the comment on. Um, uh, on or like you're saying, the cynicism in, in how the me- how they're going to media manage the situation and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and and uh... and it's sort of like how the film ends. It's a it's like a mortal punishment for both of them. Really, it's mm. like you know, you mm. kind of st- this is it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's yeah. like 
it's sort of like the Kim the Card Kim Kardashian Kanye West thing almost. <laughs> Feels like it's just sort of it's it gets the last hour of the film gets so ridiculous that it becomes a circus and it becomes an embodiment of what this whole media charade mm. has brought it up to. And that's why I, th- I think it is qu- quite, uh, well, a good, great film. Mm. Um, and I do think there are some really striking things about it. I really like the scene on the bed where it, f- um, the way it's shot the, with the blood. I hated the score in that. I think okay. I think the imagery is fine. I think I yeah. think the editing it in that scene is fine, but I think the score is so over the top and just has completely no. It's done for shock value. It's done to underscore the shock value. It's got no um, yeah. subtlety to it. And but I don't like Trent Reznor's scores anyway. Um, I what, think what, it was what I really want to what I really want to rag on about this film is how Michael Manesquely poor the sound mixing is because at the beginning. For the first twenty minutes or so, you can barely hear a word they're saying. I was—I um, actually thought there was something wrong with the speakers. But then it kicks in again. Yeah, it kicks in again after after about an hour and a half, and it's just—it's just, it's just uh, the score is too loud. He likes the score yeah. so much, he just shoves it up in the mix, and it's too loud. It drowns out the dialogue yeah. <laughs> when it really doesn't need to. And I think, from a technical standpoint, uh, I find that because sound mixing is subjective. Some people really like Michael Mann's type of sound, that sound mixing, but. I really don't, and that's that's the that is the 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 thing about the film that really just got got my heckles up. Yeah, it's when I saw that the the there's an elevator scene towards the beginning, mm, mm. and I'm thinking why is but I saw that as he's overusing the score. It's, mm. I thought I saw that as a directorial problem yeah. rather oh, than I, a sound mixing problem. Oh, I think it's both. I think it's I think he's overusing it and he's drawing attention to it. Uh, yeah, as, I think he's well. just so eager to make, to draw the audience into this dramatic storyline that he kind of loses the chemistry. Um, well, not they have great chemistry, but some chemistry. Towards the beginning, you don't really properly get a sense of how they've fallen in love because you're yeah. too distracted by that. Well, one thing I want to do want to point out, it's kind of like atonement syndrome in a way, but when I was watching it at the beginning, I was thinking good god, this is just so vapid, I mean the, 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 the way these two have got together, I don't buy it for a second, blah 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 but given where they go with the end and the points that they make at the end yeah, I do think that that kind of they can just about get away with with it being the relationship having been portrayed in that way it does tie in I don't yeah, think it makes. The, I don't think it makes watching it at the beginning any better, but it, it they at least have got a justification for it. I think. Yeah, and how I think the diary entries, um, also the way that that unfolds and begins to circle in on itself, and things that were um, she saw as quite um, encouraging at the beginning suddenly start. She starts to have contempt for them. Mm. I think that works. Um, it's sort of like an anti fairy tale. Um, what do you think about the voiceover? Do you think that's a cheat, or do you think it's a? Because Gillian Flynn wrote the novel; she's written the screenplay. Yeah, I don't so, like the structure. I don't necessarily mind the uh, the this, the the voiceover because it does inform what's uh, underpinning it, and uh obviously when uh, the diary is found i mean it's not a spoiler that's in the trailer oh, when, when the when the diary is found um they um 
you know that the police have read it, so the police know everything that's in there. And so you're getting the point of view uh, that is, uh, you're getting the undercurrent of the of that point of view and that important plot thing, and it is informing you of what's going on or supposed to be going on or whatever. Um, I think that's fine. I I don't mind it. It's uh, at least it's there and it's fairly consistent. Yeah, agree. Yeah, it's not like it's just halfway through and then they drop it, which they could have done. And it's not like it's a bookend thing, like a road to perdition. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're gonna have a you're gonna have a voiceover for one minute and then have like about two hours go by and then right at the end. <laughs> well, mind you, go, go, going back to Affleck, gone, ba- gone, baby, gone. The voiceover at the beginning of that is just amazing, and then they just go, then they shift into um, the story, and then there's another one about halfway through. But that's more like they use the, that as like a linking massage, uh, massage, funny, massage. Uh, <laughs> montage, like a parallel. Yeah, no, no, no. It, they, they use that to to fill in the blanks between where they're going next, um, which is kind of like what Wong does, but uh, uh, with his films. Where, uh, but this is obviously much more compartmentalized because you've had like about thirty minutes or forty minutes of plot for, in between. Yeah, but I think it's. It, I think the compartmentalization works because it's such a long film. Mm. I think if it was like just a... Because you are thinking when there's like 20 minutes left, I was thinking there's quite a lot to tie up here. You know, mm. there's quite a lot to go on. This could go on for another hour. Mm. This could be a 10-part mini- miniseries mm. or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think this would... I actually do think this would work better in that format. A sort of murder one uh, type format where you're not really... Sh- where from week to week you're not really sure what's going on. It could intercut between the yeah, the, stories that are going on. Yeah, it, it, you could, this would work very well as a, as a um, as a miniseries. But as it is as a film, I do think it's really really flabby. I do. Uh, I I think it's like it was like forty five minutes. I checked first time I checked my watch or, or it was like forty five minutes in. I was like, good grief, have they even accept? Uh, are we at the end of the first act yet? I don't even know. <laughs> but I don't think the acts are that that particularly well defined, which I quite like. I mean, I don't I don't like when it's like obvi- that obviously written in inverted commas. Yeah. But very very little happens um, for a long period at the beginning of this film, and uh, I don't think it necessarily sets a mood uh, that well. I think the mood mood atmosphere comes more towards the end. Uh, definitely, and the stylishness comes towards the end. But Affleck, I think it's interesting that Affleck's character starts off as just being completely nonchalant and easygoing and laid back. Yeah. And then I think it does a good job of making you think, well, why is he being like this? And then thinking, oh, well, well does he have some ulterior motive here? And they, Again, um, they explain that. They, they explain that fi- uh, fine. Give, give once you've seen it and you realise when he spelled out to his sister what what his whole uh, thought process was. That I think the way that his character acts in that's in the, in the beginning um, does tie in. Yeah, Pike. Um, I think Pike is great in this. Mm. I mainly I was a bit iffy on her in the towards the end. Um, yeah, but it's. I think it's comparable to a breakout, well, not a breakout, but like um, an important 80s role that a certain actress that you don't like had. Right, yeah. 
um, that was intense. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think I think she might get nominated for this, but it's. I hope depend. she doesn't. And the reason I hope she doesn't is because I don't think anybody excels in this film uh, on the acting front, apart um, from Tyler Perry. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, but that's for him. I mean, in terms of performance, that's a very, very decent performance. And I, I think there are a lot of these. I think everybody's decent here. I don't think there's a bad performance in here. I don't no. think. I mean, even, Neil, Neil Patrick Harris is a bit iffy, but. He's know. a bit iffy, but I mean, but then you get something. I really liked um, uh, uh, Scoot McNary's cameo. Yes. I think he, I think he acted that. Scoot. Yeah, I mean, just, he's that just, he brought he, so much to that tiny character. Definitely. That is one of those roles, performances where you just say. You, for people who are given nothing, he, he, he has he has really he's, if, considering what's on the page, he's crushed that. But yeah. um, he, he's he's good, he's good, he's good overall. Um, but mm, I, I don't. I don't the think... sister was. I thought the sister was good. Although I, I wasn't sure why she was crying so much near the end. I, I was think. Like... I think that's because of what they've been suggesting about the closeness of the relationship, which I oh. thought was a rather nasty undertone. But, um, it was na- it, the whole thing's nasty. It's mm. a nasty piece of work. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, with, with me on this, I'm. I think it's kind of like just to, to go for another Ben Affleck film, but in a completely <laughs> different way. It's kind of the reaction I had to Argo uh, that um, I think I would think it's fine, um, but I don't think there's anything exceptional in there. Uh, but my that then again, on top of that. For me, my um, given uh, just the way it played out uh, with the predictableness of the beginning and then the trashiness of the end, and mm. not caring uh, two hoots about the characters or the situation, I didn't like it, and I wanted. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm not surprised. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, what is this a four for you? Yeah, it, I mean, it it's. I- it's watchable enough, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend. Uh, or certainly, wouldn't recommend it as a date movie. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I think it's. At, I've got a passion vibe, the De Palma passion. Yeah, yeah. Because I just think it does go so so crazy at at the end. Um, and I think, but I think it's been better for longer. Um, before that happens to warrant it and I, I do think that it says a hell of a lot about the media and it's pretty much got pretty much um, has a lot of conviction in terms of punishing its characters and sending a message <laughs> it's sort of like a, it's it's like it's hard to swallow and these people aren't uh, pleasant to be around but I think that that's the point of the film really so mm. like B, I'd say low B plus for me okay. right so tell me about draft day Draft Day, this is, um, oh god, okay. <laughs> okay, this is, uh, Kevin Costner, he is the general manager. Right. So he's, the, uh, he's, he's Brad Pitt in, uh, in, uh, Moneyball. Yeah, except it's the Cleveland Browns. Right, um, so it's right with Randy Lerner. <laughs> is that who he was? Yeah. Not Randy the owner, the general manager. No, Randy. No, Randy Lerner owned the brand, so he Randy Lerner would be his boss. So, so you got owner, general manager, manager. Yeah, owner. Uh, owner obviously owns the team. The general manager basically picks the players. He's the equivalent of the director of football. Right. It's, it's, it's got a much more defined role over there. The the, the way that the Americans think about sport is that the gen, um, the general manager picks the philosophy of the way you want the team to go forward. 
over the next five to ten years. So he, he's got the plan, and then you get the head coach to coach the players that you they've got in the way that you want to do it. Which is why with Moneyball it was so interesting because you had the uh, uh, head coach coaching completely the opposite way to the way that the general manager wanted him to. Yeah, so it's a lot different from football. Well, yeah. not a lot different, but it's it's sort of like. The, the manager has got to fit in. He's not leading the team. He's sort of part of the machine. Mm. Mm. But, okay, so Kevin Costner, he's taken over from his father who's recently died. He fired his father yeah. because his mother, Ellen Burstyn, told him to. And then his father died shortly afterwards. Um, the Browns, they aren't doing too well. Surprise, surprise. Well, yeah. <laughs> they need some spark in their offense. Uh, it's... The day of the NFL draft, uh, Costner's approached by the manager of the the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, mm. who offers the Browns Costner the number one draft pick for um, if they'll give them their first round draft picks for the next three years. Yeah, which is a big deal. Yeah, because you you're not going to top right. player for the next three years. You've got to get it right. They've got to be worth it. Yep. He says yes. Um, and what follows is him kind of sussing out this number one draft pick guy mm. and um, trying to negotiate deals and do the best thing for the team. Yeah, because you would know. Every, usually, in most of the sports, you know who the number one draft pick is going to be beforehand because of all the hype from the co- from college and what have you. Yeah. Um, the, the less but they were saying like Tom Brady was like 199th or something. Exactly, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, Zach Thomas was a linebacker for the Dolphins. He got taken in the fifth round. Uh, you, uh, you, 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 your number one draft pick should be just a complete no-brainer. Um, when the Dolphins had it a few years ago, they went for an offensive lineman. That is the that is the way you go safe. Because if you've got an amazing offensive lineman, he's he's going to fit in right away and going to be one of the best players at that position. Uh, with a quarterback, he's going to take. Uh, he, he, if you put him in the first year, he might get battered. Uh, if you sit him out for the, you, sometimes you sit him out for the first year. So it depends how immediate. And it, of course, if you've got the number one draft pick, that means you are the worst team the previous year. So you obviously need to get better quickly. Yeah, but, exactly. So these teams are desperate that are, mm. that are picking first here. Mm. And this is this is what where the drama comes from. So it's sort of like, in essence, this is to NFL what Margin Call was to <laughs> Wall Street. Yes, that was on TV the other day, actually. Mar- what Margin Call was? Yeah, Margin Call. Not a fan, but <laughs> especially the thing with the dog. <laughs> well, they cut out uh, Streep's uh, daughter. That was the worst thing. That was a, that was a nice little scene. Because of the lighting, right? Yeah, they they shagged up the um, the coverage. It was different on from one side to the other. Dear, Meryl wouldn't have stood for it. No, no. The... <laughs> <laughs> I've got visions of Miranda Priestley now. <laughs> should be should give Where them lectures. On... <laughs> should be giving them lectures on the colour of their sweaters. <laughs> it's all about the Cerulean. Mm. Um, okay, so this, it's very much it's a peek into the lives of managers on. Tr- it's like transfer deadline day, mm-hmm. um, and it's a countdown of the twelve hours leading up to the draft picks. Yeah, and then the, obviously the draft picks. Otherwise, there wouldn't be much point in the film. Mm. Um, 
So it's like Costner shifting between members of his staff, you know, his manager who's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, you've agreed to this deal. You're selling us out for three years just for this big shot. Mm. Um, what position does the guy play? Is he a quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. Which is the big position, right? Yeah, it's the key one. I mean, if you haven't got... It, you, you can win it all without a good you quarterback. Could throw. But you, you can win it without a good quarterback, but you have to have an amazing defense and a very good running game in order to do it. So you need yeah. a lot of the pieces already there. And of course, if you had an amazing defense, you wouldn't have finished last the year before. Exactly. So they they badly need him. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's like, it is like Moneyball. Um, phone conversations, very zippy, very, you know, intercutting. Yeah. Um, except it doesn't really have the weight of the Brad Pitt's personal story in the film. Yeah. Which was... Not like massively wonderful or anything, but it was believable, a, and he a was nice touch. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and you've got Jennifer Garner in this. She plays if a Alice in Chains T-shirt in Juno. Uh, uh, if that was unbelievable, she's got a lot of football knowledge that she dashes off here. Um, a lot of speeches where she spouts off statistics and things, and you're thinking, okay. Well done, you've learned the lines in, in the shower with Ben. So it's not like um, uh, Sandra Bullock uh, getting on the phone from the bleachers and ordering the coach to run the damn football. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> oh my God, I've forgotten about that. I know that how much was, you love yeah, the blind side. Yeah, that was side. a bit embarrassing. <laughs> what? I know how much you love the blind side. Hmm... Um, but their relationship, she's going out with Costner, their relationship is really kind of meh. She's just mm. the talking woman in the workplace who's like the soothing presence and the peacemaker and all this. Um, and Ellen Burstyn plays Costner's mother and she supposedly got all this NFL knowledge and she's on Twitter. I mean, this is the <laughs> woman from the same time next year and she's on Twitter. <laughs> So it's, I mean, it's fine. It's just, it's just, <laughs> the the woman characters are very peripheral and just a bit difficult to believe. Mm. You know, not that the actors are bad. Mm. Um, but it, the whole thing is, it's really watchable, um, a bit predictable, not as clever as it thinks it is, but as a beginner to the drafting thing and... yeah not knowing how it worked and that you could trade your picks and things like that. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting and quite entertaining. Mm. Um, I don't know if the fact that it doesn't alienate people who don't know the subject is necessarily a good thing because yeah. you sort of want people who know the subject to watch it, don't you? You want you yeah. don't want them to feel like... You're dumbing down. Yeah, you want them to feel like there's something specific there. So I don't know if you would find it quite as clever or, mm. you know, as like, I mean, I could see some of it coming, but I still didn't quite know the inner workings of it, whereas mm. you might have done. Mm. But I did kind of think it was strangely... Um, you didn't hate it. You didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I... <laughs> I'm giving it a high C plus, um, right. but it's that's only because I think that people who would know more about football would think it was dumbing down. Okay. 
and it's quite blandly made. Right. Okay. Yeah. So onto the one star that is life after Beth, according to uh, Wendy Eyed in the Times. The uh, Gospel according to Wendy. <laughs> yeah, she's actually one of my favourite reviewers because she's funny. Um, now, uh, but it's life after Beth. Well, that is the question. Uh, life after Beth is a, it's about uh, a guy, Dane DeHaan. His girlfriend, played by Aubrey Plaza, has died. He goes goes to a funeral. Uh, hangs out with uh, her parents, John C. Riley and uh, Molly Shannon afterwards. Uh, stays until about three in the morning playing chess with the dad and then goes home. He goes. He's still a bit of a mess. He's borrowed a scarf. He's just wearing a scarf all the time because he's, he's in mourning. And he goes around uh, the next day to speak to them, but all the, but all the doors are closed. They're not answering the door. All the windows are sort of shut. And uh, he thinks he sees Aubrey Plaza being ushered away while he's in there. It becomes clear to him that um, she's you know, obviously she's still around, and uh, they're, they're, he thinks she's like faked her death in order to um, uh, avoid seeing him because they'd kind of parted it on bad terms before she died. And it soon becomes clear there's a massive hole in her grave, and she is the Z word. There's a hole in the grave. There's a hole in his life. Yeah, it's and the scarf is far from a Houston problem because every bit of, when he was in the scarf, I was like, "This is funny," because <laughs> he's just going, he's just prancing about in the scarf and he's devastated, and it's just he's a he's got, wreck, the, sad, he's but, got the sad sack look down quite well. Yeah, he do, he does do trauma quite well. Mm. <laughs> uh, um, with this, I mean, if I was, I, I don't think it's a one star film. We might quote a bit of Wendy's stuff in a minute. What I um, I do think it's too obviously on uh, on the nose with the with the sort of metaphor that it's going for with the um, she's because uh, I, I I didn't really get it with the hiking thing because I think she's gone for a hike and she got bitten by a snake I didn't really get that it was only when she starts listening to smooth jazz now that she's a zombie and that's the whole thing where you get oh okay she's a zombie because she likes listening to jazz or and and goes hiking and all these sort of things it's a bit it's a bit too obvious and it's funny the first funnyish the first time but then when they keep on doing it and keep on doing it and it's very obvious that that that's yeah. the comment that they're making especially with where they go with the end it's it's basically a metaphor for his relationship with her she's 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 become someone else and he needs to get on get over it it's um it's okay, but it's not. It's not really the greatest uh, uh, idea or, or yeah. execution I've ever seen in my life. I liked the jazz thing just because I don't like jazz, and I think it's mm. like the writer hates jazz. Yeah, that's what I got out of it. It's like, but it's like, well, is is going for does going for hikes make you a zombie? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't get yeah. that. I mean, it's obviously there was something else as well. There was a, there was a third one, but it's obviously that's what they're going for with it after the fact because they mentioned hiking so much yeah it's the problem I had with it mainly is that it never really settles into a, a tone mm. it's veering from this sort of existential crisis at the beginning which I think Dane DeHaan does so well um, but then some of it is really broad comedy mm. like sort of Shaun of the Dead but I, I don't really think it properly melds um and it's just, I, I, I just don't think those two things fit in the same film. I think it's too serious at the beginning and then too light when it gets into the last third. Well, it's farcical. The, the final third is is is, a, is quite farcical. Um, 
uh, Wendy's criticism of it is that it's um, it's equipped with a knowing smirk and a permanently raised eyebrow, but very few ideas. Blah blah blah. Um, uh, Dehan and Plaza do their best with a screenplay that continually repeats itself as it loses momentum. Uh, Sparky cameo from Anna Kendrick is a welcome relief, but she only serves to highlight how lazy and uninspired the rest of the film is. Well, it's it's interesting because I thought. I don't. I wouldn't say she was sparky. I think she just did what she usually does. Perky, which her is usual fine. perky self. Yeah, she's bulletproof. Fire away. <laughs> We're ending on that. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I actually really liked the brother. He's funny. He, I, I did find him amusing. Yeah. It's um, the thing. But... I don't think this. I, I don't think this is. I don't think this is a, an amusing film. I do think there are, are some funny things in there. And uh, I, but equally, you could, if you really wanted to, just sit there, be stone faced, cross your arms, and go, "Okay, fine, entertain yeah. me," and really not, really not get it. But I was in the, I, I was willing to give it a go. I mean, because really, I was willing to give it a go. Yeah, I, I think it's okay, Phil. Mm. Um, I think it's like, I don't know. It's, I think you're right. If you went to like a press, if Wendy's probably got up. She's had a couple of glasses of wine the night mm. the night before. It's ten a.m. in the morning. She's like, okay, and she's, and she's like, no. The, the, the baby's I'm kept full. you up. The baby's kept you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's okay. It's thoroughly unremarkable. But yes, yeah, absolutely. But Aubrey, Aubrey's game, um, she's yeah, quite funny at times. I did find it amusing the whole like because he obviously just wants to have sex with her <laughs> and they're like getting off with each other in front of her parents and they just like can't really do anything about it because um, they don't want her to leave the house. Um, but Molly Sh- got, it, it, yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Molly Shannon's underused, um, but um, a well- John C. Riley's the same all the time in this, yeah. which it's got just got a very narrow character. Mm. It goes all corpse bride, which is again a yeah. bit. Mm, it's and you know because Corpse Bride did it really well mm. with the people coming back and the humour with that. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I love something like Pushing Daisies when when that was on TV, um, and uh, but that had such a wonderfully um, playful and um, quirky tone, whereas this doesn't go for particularly playful or quirky. This just goes for more um, literal uh, broad. Yes, yeah, I was going to say snarky. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Mm, snarky and silly, rather than playful and quirky. But um, then again, it'd be a completely different film otherwise. True. But yeah. I think I think um, warm bodies, um, without using a pun on the title, has has a much warmer um, uh, feel to it, and especially with the performances as well. They they, they they because they're going for the love story side of it, which is funny in and of itself. Um, yeah, and but, it, it let itself down with the backdrop. Yeah, yeah. Bodies yeah. with the whole political thing, but it had both going on, and it was stronger. Because Where, you know. whereas, whereas with this, they're not going for the two people falling in love. They're going for the bloke trying to get trying to get on with it and realise that um, there's nothing there anymore. Um, so it's much more. Uh, you think it's, it's like a sort of mess, like you know, somebody's loved for the first time, a guy's loved for the first time. Yeah. You think it's that, and then yeah, he realizes absolutely. that yeah. it's not what he thought he was. You yeah, know? yeah, and you just got to move on. Yeah, 
which is it's it, that's why I think Randy's saying it's very few ideas. I mean, because it is, the, and they do do the same jokes over and over and over again. Um, they do do the same sort of thing over and over again with like them leaving the house and like to, to have sex and all that sort of thing. But um, I think I think it's got enough going for it. There are enough funny individual scenes in there to keep you entertained if if you're willing to be entertained. But I mean, then again, um, if you if you don't if you don't like the sort of sort of humour that they're going for. And then they repeat it quite a lot. Then it, it would be—I can see why it would be very trying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think Dane DeHaan elevates it, so I'm going to give it a C plus. Yeah, I'm a five out of ten for this. Dane DeHaan tries so hard in this film. Yeah. He's a trier, old mm. Dane. Mm. Okay. And, when, and Wendy found it trying. Oh, so Wendy's quotes. Wendy, is that? Have we got any more quotes, or was that it? Um, there's a strong case to be made this is our opening line there's a strong case to be made that along with the vampire flick the zombie movie is a genre that should be left to rest in peace for the foreseeable future oh my god <laughs> well <laughs> moving on uh, tell us what you really think Wendy <laughs> <laughs> okay alright so we're on to Shag Mary Kill right uh, well, I shag as much right now at draft day because I would, I do want to watch it. Yeah, I would. Now, oof, I would marry Life After Beth because it's an easy watch, and I certainly wouldn't want to watch Gone Girl every weekend for the rest of my life. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that Miss Pike uh, is well and truly murdered and not kidnapped or any other such thing. She w- will be. Uh, it's a nice way of putting it. Finding her way to the bottom of the ocean. Okay. AI style. <laughs> and where's where's it, and back to Meryl Streep. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's the voice of the fairy. Oh, okay. <laughs> she must have been somebody. Um, right, Chagmarika, I would kill Draft Day mm. because I think it has least reason to exist. Mm. Even though it's... I don't know. Mm. Even though a horror comedy doesn't really have any reason to exist, I would chug... Um, life after Beth, and mm. probably marry Conker. Even, well, even given its uh, opinions on marriage. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not too um, big on marriage either. Yeah. So, mm. okay, Olsen factor. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, it is interesting. Um, Gone Girl, um, Rosamund Pike, in any normal way shape or form is a huge 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 yes first gonna, half of this i'm gonna say i'm, I'm gonna say well, thing is i think there is enough in there to genuinely call this a say do oh definitely <laughs> the um <laughs> yeah the head yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is enough in here to genuinely call it a say do um uh and that'll do uh, Life After Beth. I do really like Aubrey Plaza, Plaza but she's never That's really... That's a say-do of all proportions, well, no, isn't it? I, it's... I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a say-do. Um, <laughs> anyway. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, and Kendrick, um, is cute and nice, but no. Um, so it's a... She's escaped, so she's escaped death. <laughs> and, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a what, awesome factor of one. Is there anyone in draft day I should be intrigued by apart from uh, Jennifer? Apart from Jennifer, um, there is. Let's have a look. 
No, it's it's about football. Mm. No, it's Jennifer or Ellen Burstyn. That's all you've got. Mm. Poor Ben. <laughs> okay, so uh, the Isaac range. Mm-hmm. Gone Girl. We have Ben Affleck and his um, <laughs> his briefly appearing member. <laughs> are, are we um, are we are we possibly Saldanaing uh, Benjamin? Not really. Uh, it didn't matter. <laughs> I don't think that can happen with men. <laughs> um, who else have we got? Uh, Tyler Perry's yes. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> Um, who else is in this film? Uh, uh, Scoots Neil... do. No, Scoots no. Scoots no. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris no. Neil Patrick Harris no. There's nobody else. No. Um, oh, well, there's Patrick Fugit. <laughs> the is lad that... from Almost Famous. Is that the sidekick cop? Yeah, the sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> no. Although I thought the female cop was quite good. Yeah, um, she was fine, yeah. in a performance way, obviously. Mm. Um, draft day, one to draft day. Chadwick Boseman. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm. Tom Manning's a yes. Kevin Costner's a no. Would have mm. been Once Upon a Time. Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Yeah. So it's a five. Good God. What about Life <laughs> After Beth? What about the, the brother? The brother's a no. <laughs> and um, so is Dane Dehan. So is Dane, yeah. So yeah, five and oh. Wow. That's harsher than Wendy's one star. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we have a website. It's moveforpodcast.com. You can mm-hmm. submit your questions. You can look at all our grades. You can click on Pete's link to donate to his run. Yeah, which is, which, which is a cinematic donation. It is, yeah, yep. to the Arts Centre. Mm-hmm. And um, we're on Twitter at Move for Podcast, Facebook in the Move for Podcast. The October schedule is up. The sketch. <laughs> yeah. I'm just mentioning everything now because I forgot this last week in my yeah. state. Mm. Next week we have 71. Ooh, is that out? Good. Mm-hmm. With everyone's favourite, Jack mm. O'Connell. Annabelle. Oh, uh, the, oh yeah. Not but... a biopic of uh, Annabelle Croft. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't end with her with her walking away from the game in her early twenties. <laughs> Do you mean the game is in prostitution? <laughs> is that is that what Debbie Unger was up to? Uh... <laughs> oh dear. We have um the rewrite. I saw the trailer for that today. With Hugh Grant, which. Oh, quite like anything, anything with Marissa Tomei in it is um, good, got to have something good about it. One more thing. Mm. Uh, we also have Effie Gray. Oh, finally. Historical drama with Dakota Fanning. Mm. And we also have The Calling, which is Susan Sarandon as a detective in a small town. Does she go after The Rock because he's uh, wants to help his son out? She doesn't, but Ellen Burstyn plays her mother. So that's two weeks in a row for Ellen Burstyn playing Bull Durham ca- uh, stars. Mothers. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> okay. Mm. Have you got a jam? 
Um, do I have a jam? That is an excellent question. That's code for no. Let me, <laughs> let me have a look. <laughs> Go on, uh, what's yours then? Briefly. Briefly, let me have a look. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Um, Kathleen Edwards uh, changed the sheets. What? <laughs> is that appropriate? No, it, it, it's it's like it's like a sort of middle of the road, countryish sort. Of, oh, uh, is it like um just called for getting rid of your boyfriend? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's quite nice. Change this feeling inside of me. Change the sheets. Blah blah blah. My jam is Megan Washington. My heart is a wheel. Interesting. So it's not. So it's not. Um. Oh God! What what horrendousness have we been listening to at work today? Oh, that's just Ed Sheeran. We've all heard that. (laughs) I just can't take that much misogyny more than once a day. (laughs) More than once? Yeah, they play play it more than once a day. Is this Don't? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. What is he singing about his girl? So his girlfriend dumped him. Or she slept with someone else, but they weren't actually going out. And he's not happy about that, right? A hooker, a hooker. He's like, you got this girl who's a hooker. She's a hooker? Hook up. So he's like, I don't know if he's oh. met her. I don't know if he's met her on Tinder or... Uh... <laughs> it's a very viable option, people. <laughs> oh, God. So he swiped left and it was... It's uh, <laughs> after that. It's like Gone Girl. <laughs> He swiped left and she was gone girl. (laughs) 